Do you know what? It's so nice to see everybody. Hi. I haven't seen some of you for so long. And it's like picking out people's faces. So whilst I get organised, here we go. So, as I say... Nice to be here. It's a real privilege to be here in front of you. Uh, my name is Lorraine, and I'm part of the preaching team here at Sutton Vineyard. Um, in my day job, um, I am a teacher of religious studies in a school down the road. And I'm also a mum of three children and the wife of the wonderful Dave, who's controlling this from home, which is amazing, because he's self-isolating. So <laughs> praise the Lord for technology. Um, you can actually hear what I've got to say, people at home. So if you are listening from home, it's really nice to see you this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. So I've enabled this morning's talk on Psalm 18. Reset your understanding of how God enables you in light of who he is. So in the midst of it all, he said to me, Lorraine, you always seem to know how to smile. And I looked at him and I thought, oh. And he said, to know that you're going through all of this and yet you are still smiling. Just to put a little bit of context on my conversation, I was in the staff room, it was probably about four years ago, and it was quite early in the morning, as early as I can get to school these days, about 10 to 8, and um, I was chatting to a friend at work, a very colourful guy named Jack, and um, my dad was really poorly, and we just learned that some of our family was moving away. Um, I was about four weeks pregnant, so I was quite crazy emotional, um, and we had this kind of daily struggles with special needs that our son has, and I was in the staff room chatting to him, and I was obviously able to tell him <laughs> that the reason I was smiling was because of Jesus, which was great, um, but it just reminded me that actually life is not a breeze. Life is a bit of a battle sometimes. And this morning, I would like to share three ideas with you about how God equips us for life. And those three things are as follows. We're going to talk about how God is wise, and so he guides us. We're going to talk about how God is just, and he strengthens us. And then we'll speak about how God is love, and he rescues us. So Psalm 18 is written by David, and he's got a colourful guide too. He's seen a lot of life. He is a shepherd, has been a shepherd. He is the anointed future king of Israel. And he's been a fugitive for like 20 years. He's lost his safety. He lost his youth. He lost his family. He lost his career. He lost his rights. He lost his connection with the covenant people, the chosen people of God. He lost his comforts. And at times, he lost his close relationship with God. But actually, he remains steadfast, and he knows that, David, that God will deliver him and fulfill his promises. So Psalm 18 is actually written for God. David's asking, who is this great God? It's actually the same as 2 Samuel 22, uh, which was uh, written towards the end of David's life. And maybe he was thinking back to like Psalm 18 when he was younger man. But, <clears throat> excuse me. God, ultimately, is still God. Psalm 18 has spoken to me lots in the last few months. It is a rich tapestry of love and devotion to my God. It talks about the intimate relationship and how God protects David from his enemies and how he ultimately rescues him from disaster. And actually, when you read it, it makes you stop and pull up and think, wow, actually, God's quite amazing. David calls to God for help, and then God responds, and there's this amazing power displayed, like this majestic cherubim, um, winged chariots, dark clouds, thunderbolts, like the zeal of God who is wanting to protect his child. 
God then takes David to safety. He takes us to safety. That's what we're going to learn. We good? Oh, I know. I don't worry. I will read it. Oh, it's a lovely Jason and Bev. Good morning, Jason and Bev. Just, just checking that I know I haven't read it. It's all right. I'm almost there. So I'm just giving you a little rundown and then I'll read it. Um, God, take, God takes him to a tranquil place and so he will t- we'll talk about how he guides, how he strengthens and how he rescues us. And there might be some things that appear on the screen behind me or on your screen if you're listening from home. So the psalm is quite long, so we're going to read verses 1 to 13 now. Fear not, senior pastors, I will read from the Bible. <laughs> I will talk about the Bible and I'll read from it. Right, listen up everyone. Psalm 18 verses 1 to 3. No, 13. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked and the foundations of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire came from his mouth, burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet, he mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, Lord, we thank you for your word. And just pray that everything that you have given me to share this morning would be falling on ears to hear. And Lord, whatever I I say this morning that is not of you, I just pray that it would just fall away. In Jesus' name, amen. Excuse me. Okay, so the psalm is quite long, so I have paraphrased it. You need to forgive me here. So this is how it goes, the whole thing. God is my refuge. I called to him when I was in trouble. He came to my rescue. Hooray. He reached out for me. I have followed him. God, you are awesome. I overcame my enemies. I praise you, God. Amen. And that's basically the summary of what we have before us. What we're going to do is look at three different ways in which this psalm specifically speaks to us. And I'm going to take some of the psalm and we'll go from there. So first of all, God is wise. So he guides me. God is wise. So when you ask an 11-year-old what is wisdom, they stick their hand up and they go, Ah, miss, it's someone who knows stuff. I say, oh, good, wonderful. So is that not just like knowledge and being clever? And then someone else pipes up, oh, miss, old people are wise. 
I say, well, yeah, okay, but is it not more than that? And we finally get to the conclusion that wisdom is to do with experience. Wisdom is a really great quality in a friend. We've all got those friends who are brutally honest and wise with us, and they're very good for us, but quite annoying. Um, so <laughs> I'm not actually very good at asking for help or accepting help and getting better, but I think that's a pride issue that I need to deal with. And I, I have recognised it in my, as I'm nearly 40 years old. Um, I have been a Christian for 20 years, but I'll go more of that later. Um, I recognise that actually I need guidance, and when we do that, it's actually an, it shows that we're being quite wise. And how does God guide us? Well, of course, He guides us through His Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30 says, It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. So Jesus is wisdom. Through his sacrifice and his suffering, Jesus becomes wisdom for us. So what is wisdom then? I love a key word. I can tell I'm a teacher. So wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. So if we know Jesus and we are near to Jesus, then we can experience wisdom. So what can we learn about how Jesus became wisdom for us? Well, actually, it was incredibly painful. Jesus fought a very, very painful battle. And through his suffering and his sacrifice, he becomes wisdom for us. His experience on the cross, of course, sets us free from sin, our own foolishness, our own selfishness. And we're called daily to pick up our own cross. And that's another talk. So God knows you. God sees you. And he sees us in each part of the day when we're struggling and the other times when we're bouncing through the day and everything seems great. And God knows our heart and our priorities. And God in his wisdom wants to be with us and help us and love us. So I did choose quite a long psalm this morning. And when you preach, you preach on a long psalm, I've discovered you clearly can't preach on everything. So it's quite easy to pick the um, bits which aren't so hard. Um, however, there are some, the next bit, um, I really wanted to avoid because it's probably one of the more tricky bits of the whole psalm, but God prompted me to include it. So hopefully it's helpful to somebody. So an example of God's wisdom we can see in verse 25 and verse 26. So Jesus is wisdom. We keep that in our mind, of course. Verse 25 says, To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. So here, I think, David is explaining that God treats man with the same measure that he treats other people. And the way we speak and the way we act is a measure of how God deals with us. So this is quite straightforward in many ways, because if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this in Matthew 7, verse 2. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. As humans, I think often we in our human nature, kind of often have a small measure for other people and then often expect quite a large measure in return, especially from God. Maybe that's just me. But then verse 26 is even a bit more strange because it says, to the pure you show yourself pure, but to the devious you show yourself shrewd. Now this is a bit strange because God can't be devious back to the person, can he? So the translation is quite difficult in the Hebrew, but... The translation of shrewd is like, means, basically means like twisted. So I think ultimately what David's trying to show us in terms of God's wisdom is, is if we are 
If we are devious in our dealings with God, then basically God will outwit us as we deserve, because God's quite clever. Um, And I think it teaches us here to treat other people with honesty and mercy, because God knows us. Verse 33 says, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. David knew the strength that God had given him and he had the skills to use it. And I really love this verse because this concept of wisdom, remember from our keyword earlier, wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge and good judgment. Do you know what? God is more than able to supply us with the skills and the strength that we need because God steers us. If you just take a moment to perhaps think, if you possibly can, of the things that you're really struggling with this morning, you might not have been able to put them aside when you walk through the door, to be fair, or if you're sitting in your lounge or somewhere at home, they're on your mind constantly because they're your deepest struggles. But in your mind's eye, perhaps you can bring to mind this deer who is running effortlessly over the heights, springing from rock to rock. This inner strength that's been given to him or her by God. And that's actually available to us and we just can ask for it. God is wise, so he guides me. Secondly, God is just, so he strengthens me. So God guides us with wisdom and we can trust him because he know that we know that he is always just. God is the perfect judge and in difficult circumstances that brings so much peace. In his wisdom God measures and judges perfectly. We live in a broken world, but God brings beauty from ashes. A couple of times recently, I've been reintroduced to the Kintsugi art, um, artwork. And, um, oh, there's a picture there, lovely. And I think I've learned lots of things from this, but what I'd like to bring this morning is perhaps that Jesus is the gold that holds us together, that holds our broken pieces together. And we need to cling on to him. You see, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. And the people who are going to be raised are not the people that the world says Psalm 18 verse 27 says, you save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. Jesus was broken to save the humble. You see, God has a different perspective on things. I think David's talking about um, humility in the sense of like underdogs, or perhaps a better translation here is the poor, the afflicted, the needy, the weak, God sees the whole picture and of course God is the all-knowing, omniscient judge and we have a response to make. And perhaps our response is this. This is an interesting quote. The true measure of our commitment to justice, our character, is how we treat the poor, the disfavoured, the accused, the incarcerated and the condemned. I'll come back to that quote from Brian Stevenson in just a second. The Old Testament talks a lot about justice, and a friend and I have been uh, just recently wrestled through a Genesis devotional, and I was so relieved when it was finished. It was really difficult uh, reading about the harsh treatment of people and how people were being wiped out, and it was so difficult to read, and it's not some sort of cute kid's story, let's be fair, at the beginning of the Bible, but Isaiah says, 
The Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Hmm. So the quote that I just read out is from a story about justice and redemption. It's written by an author who, uh, written by a lawyer who um, fought many battles for black men. Many of, the, many of them were innocent who were incarcerated uh, on death row in Alabama. And he never stopped fighting for justice. And sometimes he lost and they died. And sometimes he won and they were released. But he never stopped fighting for justice. Life this side of heaven is not just. And it's a good job that God's kingdom is upside down and we have a hope in the one who makes sense of it. You see, God is fair and he strengthens us for battle. Verse one says, I love you, Lord, my strength, my strength, my strength. God is the source of our strength and we can trust him. You see, David knew that he was going to try, that God would triumph for him in his strength in battle. And David saw God as the source of his strength. So what does the source of his strength look like? Well, perhaps it looks like two things. It looks like a rock and a horn. So let's have a look at this. What does it say? It says, verse two, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Now, I haven't really paid much attention to rocks, to be fair, although my daughter does have a lovely rock collection that she keeps on her window ledge. She has 57 rocks. Now, she's three. She can't count to 57, but we counted for her. She's very impressed with them. They're coloured in and things. Some of them are from the kids' work, which is lovely, and others that she's found. Anyway, rocks are useful in three ways, if you were David back in the day. And first of all, it was really hot, so rocks would offer you, like, shade, and that would be a really good thing. Secondly, if the rock was big enough, there might be some cracks and crevices that you could hide in and find shelter and protection from your enemies. And thirdly, rocks are pretty strong, so you can stand on them and you're not going to fall off and they're not going to wobble because actually they are a firm foundation. So that's the first way. And then the second idea about God being the source of strength is this idea of that God is the horn of my salvation. And it's a tricky translation, but it's basically God being like your defense or your strength. And we see in verse 6 to 15, as I, as I read most of that earlier on, that God shows this strength and he is angry and he is cross at the way that David has been treated. He is angry at the injustice and he fights. And all of that is available to us through his Holy Spirit. David calls and God answers Verse seven, the earth trembled and quake. We have this quaked. We have this dramatic deliverance of David. There are earthquakes, there is smoke, there is fire. The indignation of God where God intervenes and he says, no, I'm gonna come down. I'm gonna come down personally. Verses nine to 10, he parted the heavens and came down. He mounted the cherubim and flew. So we've got this imagery of like angels and speeding chariots and like thunder and lightning. It's like something from a film. Smoke went up from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. God is really angry. We see examples here of God's fierce wrath against the enemies of David because he is angry that his child has been mistreated. 
In this judgment scene, God oppresses David's enemies. And there is deliverance for David. God moves heaven, earth, sea, and sky for David. And that gives us awesome hope. We're in a battle at the moment, a legal battle for our son, for his uh, special educational needs, but it's just more than that. It's more about how he can function in life and being happy in his own skin. And it's really hard. Uh, We all feel his struggles every day. And I can't solve his problems, and I can't change the way that he interacts with the world. And we strive, Dave and I, daily to help him and our family to kind of pursue our dreams and desires. And we're not idle while he's struggling, because everyone is affected. But... God moved heaven and earth for David, so why not you? Why not me? Why not our son? Verse 39 says, You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. So God not only gives you the strength and arming you for battle, he humbles your enemies and he fights for you, with you. He is present with you. He is present with us. And thirdly, God is love, and he rescues us. Verse one, I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you, Lord. This word love, kind of the meaning is like from really like loving someone from like the very heart root. It's a very emotional and intense word for love that is used here. David knows that God loves him. And he reaches out to him. I called to the Lord, verse three. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise. And I have been saved from my enemies. God rescues him because he loves him. And I'd like to finish with this. God reaches out for you, for me, and he rescues you from the situation you find yourself in because he loves you. This is really the heart of the passage in verse six. In, In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called to the Lord. God hears us when we call to him. Where in your life do you need God to hear you? In your distress, can you hear God? I've been a Christian for nearly over 20 years and God has always been faithful. He is always faithful. In the situation with our son, I can tell you right now, I am overwhelmed with fear of the unknown, what the future looks like for our family. But I know that God is near. In small group recently, we did some prophecy, it was great. And God spoke to me for somebody else, but he also spoke to me for me. Before I could pray for somebody else, maybe you've had this situation where you have to pour out your worries and your woes to God before you can even get to somebody else. And God gave me the word shelter, and it was exactly the right word for me, and it was exactly the right word for another lady in our group. And then somebody else pipes up. Oh, yeah, Lorraine, I had Psalm 91 for you. Psalm 91, verse 1. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you, Lord. God hears. God rescues David. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. You see, David felt like he was drowning and the strong hand of God reaches out for him and grabs him. Now, I love swimming. I've been swimming since I was four 
And there's only one time, actually, I felt like I was drowning. It was quite a while ago now, when I was at Bible college. It was quite early in the morning. We'd gone to the local swimming pool. I was a bit bleary-eyed. Seven o'clock seemed quite early back then in the day. Um, now it doesn't. Um, I didn't notice the sign in the foyer that said 17 degrees uh, water temperature. And so I was like merrily trotted in, dived in. I felt like I was going to die. Like the, the water was so cold. It, like, it felt like my chest was going to cave in. I swam for my life. And needless to say, that was the end of my swimming for that day. 16 degrees is apparently water temperature you should not swim in. So just a little, little side there. David knew that his enemies were strong, but he knew that God was stronger. He asks God and God reaches down for him and delivers him. And this lovely verse here, he brought me out, verse 19, into a spacious place. That sounds quite nice, doesn't it? A spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted me in me. The strength of God saves David. And God loved David and God loves you. And God will rescue you just like he rescued David. And I guess the question is, what do you need rescuing from? And that's something perhaps we'll ponder upon a bit later. And you might say, oh, that's fine, Lorraine, but do you really know me? Do you really know my struggles? Do you really know what's going on? But actually, God knows. And the last bit of that verse, I'll read it again, verse 19. He rescued me because he delighted in me. He rescues you because he delights in you. I don't really use that word delight that often. Um, Perhaps my children delight me. Certainly they do when they do something for the first time. Perhaps they learn that to ride their bike or um, perhaps some funky dance moves that my daughter likes to break out sometimes in the morning when we're, when we're um, watching church usually. Um, just stay with me on this verse for one last little bit. God rescues because he delights in you. And also, he chose you. He chose David. He chose you. And God lived, uh, David lived a righteous life and he followed God. And the Father delights over you. He dotes on you and me. And when I'm teaching about love, um, when we talk about Christianity in year seven and in year 10, I bring out this picture of this mum. I don't know if you might see it, you might not. But it's this picture of this mum who's like looking at her child in the most amazing, um, she's like the, her child is the most amazing thing ever. And the child's discovered how to take selfies on the phone. Oh, there you go. And it's so sweet. And the year 10's are like, oh, that's so sweet, miss. And the year seven's are like, oh, yeah, they just sort of soak it in. And we talk about how God is like a father. His love bursting out for his people and God takes pleasure in us and he delights in us and he rejoices over us it says as well in his word so as I finish up I'd like to just recap on those three things that I said and I'd like to invite the band to come back and get ready which would be great thank you worship team so in conclusion what have I been talking about today? Well, if you switched off and now you're switching back on, you didn't, you, well, I think you missed a bit, but there are three things I talked about. First of all, God is wise and he guides us. We can treat other people in the same way that God treats us. The measure we give to others, the measure it will be the same measure that has been given to us. And in his wisdom, God helps us and guides us and steers us in the right direction. Secondly, we talked about how God is just. And he strengthens us. In his upside-down kingdom, God has a different perspective on things. And he's angry at injustice. And he's your strength in those unjust battles that you have to fight day in, day out. 
And thirdly, God loves us and he rescues us. He hears you, he knows you, he will rescue you because he delights in you and he will bring you out into a spacious place. So before we stand and sing, I'd just like you to take a moment to think about those three different things. And if you want to speak to the Lord perhaps about them, what do you need guidance in today? What do you need strength for? And what do you need rescuing from? Thank you.